Three days left. It's the final three days. Get it now. We should do. We should do a little bit get more it. of a Relo- cool. Just relax. Just, yeah. Uh, listen, because you get super. Listen. <laughs> Let's try this again. Listen, Adam. Do it. It's all monster <laughs> Adam, do it real, real, cool. real chill. Yeah. yeah go, 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 listen. Go, go. Listen. My, we're listening. <laughs> listen, 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 listen. Okay. They're okay. listening. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Maps, we've perked up. Maps Prime is done this Friday, you guys. This is it for the sale. The sale is oh, ending. Price goes oh, up. Oh, my goodness. You also won't be able to get a free T-shirt after that. So the free T-shirt. That's the best part, I think. The sale yeah. all ends this week. It ends Friday. Friday, $77 instead of it'll be going up uh, to 97, 97 after Friday. Listen, Maps Prime is the only Maps program designed, or actually the only program designed, period, to help you design what to do before your workout, to prime your body for your workout, make your current workout specifically to you more effective. doesn't matter what, what your workout looks like. It if can you be prime any, it properly. Any program. It does not have to be MAPS. It does not have to be MAPS. You can do, be doing any type of program. The, the idea behind this was that nobody had done this. Nobody had spent the time to help teach people what you should be doing before you go into any workout and then teach you how to individualize it for you specifically. That's the best part. There's a compass in Prime that helps you read your body so that you can design your own priming sessions and your post priming sessions it's uh dare i say revolutionary over 80 over 80 different videos i guarantee that you'll have it's at least crazy 10 enough. to 20 movements you've never even seen before yeah a lot of there. cool stuff in there uh it's on sale you can find it at mindpumpmedia.com watch this i'm gonna turn off adam's mic is that what uh yeah does yeah. that make it better a little make bit better a little bit let me turn off justin's mic how about that? Yeah, we don't need their mics. All right, we got them off. <laughs> you know, it's all lonely in here. Yeah. Welcome to a special edition of Mind Pump. Yeah. It's just Sal. Only Sal. Just Sal and Doug. Finally got rid of those two monkeys. I know, they were just such a pain All right, let's give, away, let's give away some t-shirts. Oh, we got t-shirts to give away. Yeah, let's, we got some winners. Yeah, we got some winners. How many got reviews did we get? 16 reviews. It hey, seems to be the standard these that's, days. That's, yeah, whatever. Hey, listen, if you want to leave a review, you got to go to your podcast icon you got to search for mind pump even if you're already subscribed you got to search for mind pump then you click on the icon then you can go and leave a review and if you leave a review and we like it you'll get a free t-shirt absolutely and we're giving away five of them this five week. all right who yep. wins we got jay butters, <laughs> butters centaur for life that's me you weber 18 jesse's baby daddy and great game you guys all win. How do they get their shirts, Doug? Yeah, send an email to iTunes at mindpumpmedia.com, your shirt size, your shipping address, and we'll get that right out to you. Yeah, maybe I'll bring the other guys back on the show. Uh, maybe. Yeah. Or maybe not. If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. You guys both watched Star Wars, yeah? Yep. Yes. Good, huh? Hell yeah! Are we gonna ruin it for everybody? No. Yeah, spoilers <laughs> everywhere. I just want to say it was. I just want to say it was good. Yeah, no, it, was, it was good. It was great. It was. It, was fine. Ex- it, it, it put put it put you back in that theme. You know, the original. It answers the, all the questions. Yeah. It puts you in that mindset. I find it really fascinating how much they how crappy of a job they did on those those what well, there was two right two or was there three. Of the the middle ones, right? Stop it. The I mean, it's the like prequels. Yeah, they were like God, they were on TV because you know how they run these marathons. Yeah, yeah, they're going to so capitalize they, now on the dude. So I was watching it with my son, and um, it was the very first one again. Annie, Annie, me, me, so stupid. Oh, <laughs> I was just like, 
what the fuck is this? <laughs> I yeah, w- don't George you, Lucas, you lost your mind. Don't you wish that you were kind of behind the scenes on all that and you wanted like I, I, I want to know like, like to slap him how that all went head. down. Like how could you how could you put that out there? Like all the Star Wars I feel like there's so many fanatics that you could, all you had to do was like Let's put a board up real quick and let's yeah. ask all the fucking fanatics the do's and the don'ts on on, on You know yeah, what that's where he went wrong. He went completely away, you know, from the yes. hardcore. Yes, I think what he did was what they did he was try to create a new a new they following. Just, they just looked at Star Wars and they said He just wanted kids. Yes, like, like, let's a, get the kids. It's a cash cow. Let's get the kids. Uh let's let, and he, what they need what they failed to understand is that what drives the fanaticism behind Star Wars is the hardcore fan. Oh, yeah. Everybody else is well, going to follow. And, You're going to get everybody else. And because it's such a deep story. That's what I was going to say. The depth of the show is what really drives people. I mean, yeah. when you see like things like that. So that's so surface that you just get irritated as fuck. It's like you, the signs were there, though, dude. Like the Ewoks, for instance, those should have been Wookiees. They are. They're little baby Wookiees. No, they're, they're little fucking like, <laughs> teddy bears. Like, beep. <laughs> <laughs> you just pick them up and you throw them. I want an Ewok. <laughs> like they're not doing any damage, dude. How dude. fucking? Who cares they're about to poke that? You with how, sticks. How, how, I know it's stupid. But they had the they 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 smashed some of the machinery with their logs. Remember the log trap they yeah, did? Yeah, I watched that Mythbusters. Yeah, it actually. Wait, know. there was a Mythbusters. Yeah, on it? they did a whole thing. The on Mythbusters Star Wars did a whole thing on Star Wars. Oh, it was great. Yeah, <laughs> I, I watched that too. I uh, will say this though: the, the the design for some of the weaponry on Star Wars is just horrible. It's oh, really? Wh- yeah, the fucking big mean? walking mammoth looking things. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's so top heavy. It just doesn't work well. It can't shoot I behind it. I think they it. added that for drama. If well, one of the leg breaks, the whole thing's fucked. Well, yeah. let's be honest. That it's was not very step smart. on you, though. In the, in the 80s, that was the shit, bro. Yeah. In the 80s, that was the business. Bef- now- that, that, was the, that was the military tech. Yeah, yeah. bro. It's like in the 80s. Dude, the- do you notice they didn't like maximize this whole hover technology? Like, what do we got? We got like one little like cruiser. You know, on Tatooine that like has hover. You're not gonna have hover stuff like everywhere. You know why though? Eventually, think about it this way though. If they were because it's on one of the other planets, I would just want to float over everything. Well, think about this way: they have super advanced technology, right? This is uh, they they could go light. You know, what is it? Warp speed or light speed or whatever? Yeah. If they were like trying to be accurate with engineering for weaponry, the rebels would have no fucking choice. They'd have no chance. I know. So they had to do it in a way to where rebels would have some kind of an opportunity. Some sort of edge. Yeah. yeah. Like they can't just have like fucking crazy yeah. drones yeah. zooming in. Oh, light they got speed, teddy bears. Blowing shit up. They, yeah. They had to do something to make it so that you had a chance. Yeah, well, right. they have the force. At the end of the day, the force is all yeah, you really the force need. Trumps That's true. All. Yeah. You don't really, I mean, if That's you. That's all they need. Once, once you tap into the force, it doesn't really mean mm-hmm. the technology and all the cool shit. That's all. Get if me. you had the force, you have Jesus, bro. It's fucking all. <laughs> that's all. You, that's all you tap need. In, you know son. what I hate? You know what's funny? So my anti, like, I, I'm like, I have this like strong strain in me that's like anti any kind of like, I don't know, uh, like follow this, you know, like that's the force you, that's or faith. Or, that's because you need Jesus, bro. <laughs> Justin, so, I've been trying to tell you. Part this of me, since the very beginning. part of me, when I'm watching, I'm like, fuck, yeah. like. How how ridiculous this is, but it sounds so much like other shit that we hear all the time. You know what I mean? <laughs> just well, just have the just believe. It's in a the collection floor. of all of them. It's like, bitch, you know we're that, gonna right? fucking it's, die. I ain't gonna believe in some invisible it's shit. A hero with a thousand faces. Show like, me. He 
that's why it's, he basically just ripped off of everybody's religion. That's why and it's mysticism. great. That's why it's great. I think that you have to have you have to appreciate it because of that. I think it's really, really, uh, really cool. You know, this reminds me of the topic that we got into with Connor over when we were visiting on it. Man, we got into some deep ass shit over yeah. there. Did you? Uh, who's 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 not caught up? Okay, Westworld. I'm like two or three episodes behind. I, don't, I haven't watched it. You, it's on I, HBO, right? She doesn't even care. You haven't watched uh, it at all. You know why? We, I don't. I don't have HBO. I don't have HBO. Oh, dude. Could you guys, could we start a GoFundMe account yeah, I know. Sal? <laughs> Sal, get Sal, well, H- get Sal HBO. Well, I, don't watch, I don't watch TV that much. And on top of it, I'm going to pay fucking, how much does HBO cost? Hmm. Listen, do you, much, do, listen, 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 it listen. It really listen. doesn't matter because they listen. bundle it. Do you know that? Bundle you, it with what? Do you know that we're in the future now, Internet. right? Do you know that you can do cool things like this? Like, so in the past, I used to like. Oh, I love it when you teach me cool things. I'm going to teach you something cool. Right All right, hold on. And you're going to appreciate Finally. this. Hold on. Let me let me gather my thoughts. All right, go ahead. Okay. So <laughs> be, in the past, we used to have to have, uh, you know, Comcast or DirecTV and you have to pay this outrageous bill like I pay right now. But if you're somebody who like, you're not a big TV watcher, but there are some like specific shows that like you really like, you can pay for streaming. So you can just get HBO streamed. Mm-hmm. So you can pay a monthly fee. That's probably less than your cable bill right now. I don't have cable. Okay. Well, whatever your, whatever normal cell phone bill or whatever, a normal, like minimal bill that you pay every single month, because I know direct TV and Comcast nowadays, Dude, some great if you shows, do all man. the sports or anything like I do, it's ridiculous. I pay like for a, Netflix. It's like, car, it's like a car loan every month. I have me. Netflix. I have the Amazon prime. Don't don't you think after West West World is over that they'll put it on Netflix? Maybe. Well, there no. you go. Why? I don't know. Not if it's I an don't HBO. See a lot of HBO. Does, There's it, no does, Game of Thrones. Oh, they compete, right? Yeah. Netflix and yeah, yeah. They're yeah, exactly. They're kind of competing companies. See, I, here, see Netflix, can I tell you something? Can I tell you something? Out? Here's why I this and the, whatever. Maybe I'm stupid, but here's one of the reasons why I won't pay HBO. I feel like they're an old fucking model, and they're being hard headed about no, it. No, no, no. That's change that, your shit. Okay, they, they I want to pay fucking for they, one channel. Okay, I don't see, know, man. That's just I disagree. I'd rather pay for an Netflix episode. Netflix is is copying what they're, they're doing. Thank dude. you, Justin. Come on, ne- man. Netflix. No, Netflix shows no, other shit. Stop it! Stop it! Stop it! Stop it! Stop it! Don't do not God, debate stuff you don't know anything about. This is Netflix took a standard for how to produce shows. Yes, Netflix took a page out of HBO and took it to the next level. Now that yeah. they've evolved, it's pushing HBO to evolve. It's what's the beauty. Exactly. You talk about you talk about free market. They're the, straight up competitors. There there are two companies that you have to love to watch. Like it's like Apple and Google. Well, that's going why back I'm asking. It's, okay, it's only we're only they want to have the best show, so it like drives every. Everybody to just buy yes, their network. As a, as a consumer, that. their, we are totally thing. benefiting right now because yeah. we're getting to watch HBO and Netflix com- debate, compete yeah. for some of the best actors out there and the best scripts that are out there. So your best TV right now is... But let me ask you this. Can, can you on HBO, is it like Netflix where I can scroll through and watch other shows, other movies... Can yeah. I, or is it or or no? Yeah, yes, yeah, H- all there, but all there. All, but that's just yeah. like Netflix. It's all, fucking beta. Netflix it's is Betamax. All, well, they haven't. Yeah, they haven't. Uh, Netflix is the same. No, like Netflix is the other same people's. Thing. I can watch shows. Yet? I can watch all kinds of series, like you know, series that are on NBC that then were recorded. Like I could watch Walking Dead. I could watch, you know, car- my kids can watch cartoons and Disney movies and shit like that. Can you do that on HBO? That's that's yeah. They have all, their own cartoons. Yeah, their own family thing. Yeah, their own. Yeah, yeah. But Netflix is 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 doing their the same own. concept too. Don't think for a minute that that's not what they're yeah, trying to. Netflix is trying to make their own. Yes, and, and then they're doing a good job fine, just, just now. Which is but, fine, but they have the other stuff too. Like they, I, and they Netflix have, model. No, they I, buy, see your, I see your point with that. You know I, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. It's a silly point because yeah. it's the, what they do is they all they're doing is they're they're buying these they're, they're buying them up after they're old, right? So they're getting all these shows after they've already been on NBC and whatever for 
guys like you that are so far behind, and then you then you get it. So that's great. But really, that's just to draw traffic to right. Netflix. Netflix is trying to build build their own community, just like Apple, just like Google, just like Facebook. They're it all is Apple versus Google. Here's, here's, think here's about what's it. Gonna, it totally Netflix is. is is Google. Here's yes. what's because they're just aggregating everybody else's Here's stuff. what's going to happen. And they, they, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to go to HBO and I'm going to pay for the fucking show I want to watch. I'm not going to have to pay for a channel to get all their stupid shows when all I want to do is watch West Westworld. Mm. I'm going to be able to click and say I want to watch Westworld for one dollar. Thank I, you. I believe that's the future of, of yeah. HBO. Yeah. Uh, I believe so that. until that happens, can HBO can suck it. I believe, <laughs> and they to be honest. I sound like, you, hey, meanwhile, I, you're losing because it's a fucking great show. Hey, don't I sound like a like an uh, old like an old like an old fucking man? Like I'm not do. getting that. You do. I'm like, not getting that cell phone. Totally. Like, I got a phone. Dude. I got a phone in my house. You're so resistant. I'll just write like, you a letter. Like, what happened to those days? All right, just Captain Grouchy Pants. Yeah. 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 Get off my lawn, HBO. <laughs> <laughs> Slow down. It's 50 miles an hour. Yeah. Oh, my God. No, yeah, that. no, they, it's, uh, I actually enjoy watching these companies do this. I think it's just created an awesome uh, television. And uh, I think that I think I watch way less TV, but I get more quality TV. Is when there I a way watch. to steal That's HBO? It. Is there a way to steal it? Yeah. Probably. Remember back in the day when we used to be able to steal cable? Get that mm-hmm. box and you can get all the Well, channels. now you have the, Ama- the, the, the Amazon Fire Stick. One of my friends still does right? that. Right? Am- don't you have the Amazon Fire <laughs> Strick? No. Stick? Whatever Strick. I've got a Fire Stick, here. but not the Amazon one. No, there's an there's a, there's a Amazon Fire Stick <laughs> that everybody talks about where you can it's a, you it's a rash. hack yeah. a bunch of shit. Yeah, let's get you Maybe you can do that. I don't know. You know, I'm sure somebody somebody on our forum who's far smarter than I am can, can post that, please. Add, help Adam, sa- help Adam, sell out. Only every person on the forum. Stupid, dude. <laughs> hey, I will say this, dude. Wow. I want to say something. Thank you, Adam, for helping me move yesterday. I'll, you just gave what me a, a shit sandwich, guy. you piece uh, of no, shit. No, Here, comes, Here don't, comes the shit coming my way. No, it's not. Uh, don't no, give me not. a shit sandwich like no, that. No, no, don't no, no, insult no, me and no, then I'm fucking get, sandwich it with I'm gonna get, me. I'm going to get sentimental. I wanted Adam, to be there. Adam's been there now I wanted to be there. I don't want you guys to be jealous because you guys are there for me in different ways. But Adam has been there for me now a couple times now with this whole process. But I had to move. Yesterday... Had to move all my shit basically in one day. And by the way, I will say this about moving. It is a very effective fucking workout. Jesus Christ, man. (laughs) I woke up this morning like, hmm... I don't, oh, remember, yeah. I don't remember deadlifting all day. It's like all isometrics, you know. Dude, holding like I had to load shit up. First of all, me and Adam moved everything in within an hour. It was an hour, right? It was pretty quick, yeah. Yeah, we did that hella fast. Um, and then I had to go in there and tie it with, you're going to love this. I had to tie it all down so it didn't move and shift everywhere in the U-Haul while I'm driving. So I had to get in there like... Uh, what was that movie with Catherine Zeta-Jones where she's breaking into the bank <laughs> and the fucking lasers yeah, are going lasers. through? Oh, that yeah. was me. Way less sexy, though. Yeah. And I had to get in there. I don't want to imagine and that. Tie, and, tie, and I bought this like twine, right? And I'm so not good with my hands. <laughs> so all I do is I go in there. You'll love this shit. <laughs> yes. My girlfriend took a picture of it. I go in there. I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to tie this to this, and then I'm going to tie this to that. So that's the... By the time I was done, it looked like a web. Spider Man went in there and just fucking. It looked like he came. That's what I get. Spider webs all over my shit. Whoa. It was all crazy looking. That's what I get for leaving you, right? I should have stayed. But I should have stayed for the tie down part because I get in there and it reminded me when I got there watching Sal load the the U haul up was like watching that scene in Zoolander where he gets the computer <laughs> and he's like, 
<laughs> like slap, slapping yeah. the computer to get on was like yeah. watching him try and load the U-Haul. I'm like, what are we doing here, dude? Like, no, let's move this over here. Let's do that. <laughs> he just like puts it all in and it's like, we'll just tie this shit down. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, oh, there dude, is- didn't you ever play fucking Tetris as a kid? Like, what's wrong with you? I, you know what? I actually never really played, played te- Tetris. Oh, you didn't, huh? No, I played a little bit, yeah, but it I makes never really so much sense. This now. is what happens when you come from a good home and you don't have to move like 15 times. When you come from a good home and then you've been in the same house, you've never had to use a U-Haul. I've actually oh, never, yeah. I've never, okay, I've moved. you're not the grunt that your parents just throw you out to all their friends as like the laborer. Yeah. yeah I mean, like, fuck. Hey, it didn't move. It's my weekend. It didn't move. The, the, the string held tight. I drove uh-huh. one mile an hour the whole way, but whatever. <laughs> it was good. But I woke up this morning nice. all stiff and shit, man. That's a fucking workout, let me tell you. Your moving is, I mean, you know what, the, and what, you, what Sal didn't it's realize, when he work. sent that text over for help for moving, I was like, absolutely, I will. And my girl's like, oh, it's sunny. I'm like, honey, when you move somebody, moving somebody and picking them up for the airport yeah, they, are two things. They're they're you. forever indebted to you yeah. for life. Like, yeah. it's, it's actually it true. Sal thought I was looking out for him. I'm like, no, this is. No, I'm no. putting some some money in the that bank. That stuff's right now. coming back. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. Th- one day I'm gonna have some shit. See, I, I know do, that. I don't yeah. want to do, dude. I'm gonna call <laughs> Sal up. And he's like, motherfucker, I forgot he helped me and he picked me up from the airport. Fuck, I gotta go. He's like, yeah. I need <laughs> to get those pills to clear this. That was that was an investment, bro. That was it. Damn. No, uh, no sexual favors. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> Shh. Shit. Where is it? Here she comes. Today's quaz is being brought to you by Chimera Coffee. It's the only coffee that is infused with all natural nootropics for a cleaner, calmer, and more focused buzz without the crash. Click the Chimera link at mindpumpmedia.com and input the discount code MINDPUMP at checkout for 10% off. It's the motherfucking quad. The eagle has landed. First up, Hayden R. What do you think of Mike Menser's heavy duty? This is, a, isn't this... Uh, Doug who, said duty. Isn't, <laughs> uh, isn't this who uh, influenced a lot of uh, the maps, right? I mean, you were big into him when he for, when you were uh, a young whippersnapper. It influenced, it influenced it in the opposite. So I don't know if you guys know. Do you guys know who Mike Menser was? See, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I know. Tall, blonde hair guy who was super buff. <laughs> yeah, white dude. This, this is, he's a short, stocky, dark haired guy with yeah, a mustache. So we actually. obviously don't <laughs> know. I, I have not read this book. I do not know anything. So, so Mike's informed me. So, Mike Menser was a bodybuilder right around the golden era of bodybuilding, right around and a little bit beyond after it. So, like 70s, late 70s, and early 80s, he was one of the like premier bodybuilders of that era he never won like he was never a mr olympia but he did win like mr universe i think mr america yeah what was he known for because obviously the so name he was so if you look him up actually you guys should look him up on your phone so you can see what he looked like uh when he was training you mean he wasn't tall and blonde hair no not at all he's a big ass fucking <laughs> mustache Arnold. he was he was like super he was built like a fucking brick house like he looked he had this really interesting look Ooh, to I'm his body man. him and his brother ray menser were both uh bodybuilders and Mike Menser was like the anti-Arnold. In fact, uh, when Arnold made a comeback to the uh, to the Mr. Olympia, because you guys know how Arnold won. How many Mr. Olympias did Arnold win? Seven? I think it was seven, right? Oh, uh, Mike Menser was working out with him in uh, oh, iron, in pumping iron. No, Menser, no, no. You're thinking of uh, Ed Corning. Uh, you're not though. thinking of, uh, that's Ed Corning. Mm. Ed Corning uh, looks kind of like Mike Menser if you don't know who they are. 
Um, but no, he was not in Pumping Iron. Oh, he wasn't even in Pumping Iron? No, 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 no. No, him and Arnold hated each other. So when Arnold Arnold won six Mr. Olympias and then took like a break, made a couple, I think he did a couple films, came back in 1980 and just decided, hey, I'm going to compete in the, in, in the Olympia. Mike Menser was like the favorite. It was Mike and like uh, Frank Zane and- uh, Damn, he looks good, dude. So he came. So Arnold came back. Arnold, I like I like his look even more than Arnold. And many people said Arnold was not anywhere near his best, but he won. It was like everybody said it was politics. Backstage, Menser and Ar- and Arnold got into it, like mm. an, into like a shouting match. What? Yeah, you never heard of this? It was a, it was a oh, huge man. thing. No, yes, I didn't get any of the drama. Drama. It, it, it was a huge thing. But what was beyond what, the reason? What was behind that was a there was a lot of politics involved, and a lot of people think that Arnold won that because. He was so good for the sport that him and Weeder, you know, best friends or whatever, and he was given the Olympia. Most most people who watched that who were there thought Arnold should have got like fifth place. He was he was smaller than he was uh, at his last Olympia. Well, okay, Mincer. Now let's okay. Mincer is how tall though, because he does look right here when I'm looking at just Mincer by himself. Yeah, but you got to look at Arnold 1980. He he looked he was a lot smaller, not as sharp. Now and there's a debate back and forth, right? Arnold was so charismatic, great presentation. Anyway. Long story short, there's that, and there's the fact that their training was so fucking opposite. It was so opposite. Arnold's training was super high volume and high frequency. Arnold hit every body part two or three days a week, but he also did 20 plus sets per body part. He did a double split routine where he'd train in the morning and he'd come back at night, and he'd, you know, this was how he built his Olympia body. Menser was the one that, uh, you know, he learned his training through Arthur Jones. Arthur Jones is the inventor of Nautilus equipment. Hmm. Arthur Jones came up with a theory on training to where all you needed to do was do one super intense max out to failure set and then let your body recover and it would grow. His theory was if you went to failure and, and sent this signal to build muscle, that all you had to do was send it once and anything beyond that would be overkill and then just rest. So here comes Menser, whose training is complete opposite. Menser would hit his body parts once a week, would do one set or two sets per body part total, go to absolute failure and beyond. He was an intensity freak. So his workouts were Hmm. insane intensity. He used a lot of machines, used a lot of Nautilus machines, and he built an incredible physique. So his routine was opposite, right? He was in the gym for 30 minutes, and he was in the gym maybe four days a week. Arnold's in there fucking six days a week working out for you know, two plus hours a day, if not more. And so it was like this big debate and Menser would openly talk shit about the high volume style worth of training. So when I was a kid, the original way I started working out was I started lifting weights like uh, they said in the Flex Magazine, muscle and fitness, body part split, lots of volume. Then I did the Arnold approach with shit tons of volume. Then I was introduced to Mike Menser's Heavy Duty, which is a book he wrote. Now uh, in Heavy Duty, you train the whole body two or three days a week max, and you did literally one set, one working set per body part, absolute fucking failure, maybe a little beyond failure, so super intense, and then you left the body alone. So here I am training super high volume, Arnold style, switched to Mike Menser's heavy duty, and within a matter of a month or two months, I gained like four pounds of muscle and got hella stronger. Mm-hmm. So I was sold. Like, this is the fucking way to work out. Yeah. Of course, I'm a kid and I don't realize it was just so it's different. Yeah, yeah, it was so different that... Of course. So I stuck to heavy duty and, you know, within a matter of two months, my body stopped responding completely altogether. 
but it because it had worked so well at that mo at that time it kind of stuck in my head and i and I, I, it was always something i would go back to of course as a trainer when i became a personal trainer you try to apply that mentality to clients and you fail uh, horribly. Oh, yeah. And later on, I realized that going to failure was too much intensity and that frequency was more important for long-term gains and that every you could manipulate intensity. Intensity was a tool to be utilized. So it had an influence in MAPS in the sense that it made me understand how the body really adapted mm-hmm. and that you know you could there were different tools that you can manipulate and use to maximize the body's uh, adaptation system. But heavy duty style training is uh, very very short term. Like if if you tried doing it that way, you would succeed for a very short period of time. Your body would stop responding. And they've done studies on this, and uh, they sh- you know demonstrate that as well. In fact, Menser got to the point where he would his answer to everything was more recovery. So when he would have clients doing heavy duty where they would hit their body parts once a week for one or two sets to absolute, you know, super intense failure. Mm. And then when they'd stop responding, his answer was, well, now you wait 10 days between hitting body parts. Or now you wait 14 days between hitting body parts. He was having some clients wait three weeks before hitting body parts because his answer- Wow, really? Yeah, because he thought the reason why they stopped adapting was they just needed more recovery time. more recovery. Because he didn't understand that the signal for adaptation could be different than the signal for recovery. Mm -hmm. And if you're not getting stronger every workout, it just means you need more rest, which obviously we can see the flaw in that, right? Yep. So that's what I think of heavy heavy duty. Heavy duty is one, it's just one absolutist type training. It heavily influenced lots of- you know, pro bodybuilders, uh, Dorian Yates was very heavily influenced by heavy duty. He created his own type of training called Blood and Guts, mm. which is very similar. Um, it, it was very different than the high volume approach, but very flawed, like the high volume approach. It just seems like all these things, they're so divisive. They, they find one thing that strikes a chord. They become this entire camp that we're just about this style of training. And you see that how each one of these tribes have formed. This is definitely its own very specific form of oh, training. This is why I get annoyed too when people try and compare maps to somebody else's dogma because I'm just like, no, 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 no. Like can't you can't compare um, our program. And I say that in like air quotes, right? Because it's there's more to it. Like that's why we phase each one of the programs. That's why we tell everybody that you should go through all the programs because there's not one that's like for you. Like if you're somebody who's like gone through one of the maps and that's all you've done and you just keep repeating the same maps over and over, like don't get caught in that. Don't get, that's, that's to me, that's no different than somebody who goes through Mike Mincer's heavy duty program, sees great results. And then that's all they do is mm-hmm. Mike Mincer's heavy duty. Like there's a, there's a purpose behind all the different maps and there's benefits and carryover to all of them. And that it's some, there's an element to all of Here, them that everybody should include into their routines. Here's how I view maps i view maps as this is first of all when we put in uh, programmed out workouts that's how we program out the workouts that's our suggestion that's our best suggestion ideally what you should do is go through the maps programs two three cycles and then start to learn your body and understand the concepts in maps there you go that are universal the concepts in maps are universal the concept of frequency the concepts of phasing your workouts for different forms of adaptation the concepts of trigger sessions and mobility mm-hmm. sessions and focus sessions understanding those kinds of things and then taking those universal concepts and starting to, and then you can take that and become more intuitive with your training now don't get me wrong 
there's a long, it takes a long time for someone to get there. You know, if you did our like RGB bundle, which is nine months of exercise programming, even at the end of nine months, you're not ready to go into that intuitive style of training. It might take you a couple years, but the goal is to get to that point, but get these concepts, understand them and begin to apply them uh, to your body, be able to understand how to start to program your own workouts. Because at the end of the day, the variances between individuals are so dramatic, yeah. can be so dramatic, it can be crazy. Uh, it, it can be cra- quite uh, ridiculous between one person and the next. And that's the one main thing that I think we learned training as many people as we've trained mm-hmm. is that it could be uh, it could be pretty dramatic from one person to the other. Look, there's probably someone that responds fucking great yeah. to heavy duty style training, but if they, but you know most people won't all the time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you got to understand that and and get those universal concepts. Uh, uh, you know, understood and then start to move towards that intuitive style of training is kind of the goal. But when it comes to Mike, Mike Menser's heavy duty, um, it's very different from the body part split, very different from the high volume training of the day, which was the 70s and 80s. Uh, Mike Menser, definitely one of the most influential bodybuilders uh, when it comes to training uh, methodology. Um, one of my favorite guys to read. Um, but uh, aside from that, I would say, um, you know, experiment with it, but don't get stuck in it. Hey, Mind Pump listeners, this is Doug Eggie, producer of Mind Pump. Just want to let you know that right after Christmas, the forum price is going up to $77. It's $67 right now for lifetime access. And we're going to be adding in some very special bonuses coming into the new year. Twice a month, the Mind Pump boys are going to be live on the forum doing at least one hour of Q&A. So if you love these Q&A sessions, why not get onto the forum, ask your questions live, and they will answer them in real time. All right, if you're not part of the forum, you'll want to get on there right away because, again, the price is going up right after Christmas. You can get it at mindpumpmedia.com. Shan153. Why is it said that women respond better to frequency than men? Do you know what this reminds me of right away when I hear this? What? It reminds me of the the little tagline that you said in the first MAPS anabolic program, the very first launch you did where you're, uh, you did the video that you and Doug did where you talk about uh, MAPS anabolic is like a low like dose. A low dose of yeah, anabolics. Yeah, right? It's, it's compared to like a low dose of anabolics because that's what I think of when I get a question like this when you're referring to women uh how they respond to frequency is because you know if you if you were to give and these are obviously just total hypothetical numbers but let's just say we gave like a small dose of of steroids to both a a male and a female who would we see the most significant difference from i think the answer would be from women by far because they don't have that and then Mm -hmm. to give them that it's just like a percentage right so 50 milligrams of testosterone for a female versus 50 milligrams to a male a guy wouldn't even notice yeah like yeah a guy would would be very very minimal but a woman would be like holy shit like it's a major difference because their body has never felt this that much testosterone so i think when you think of it like that that's the and that's the real science behind the frequency when mass was created that like that's how important frequency is when you talk about the signal the, the the muscle building signal that we talk about that you're constantly sending to the body so for women it's a significant difference enough to where it's like then that's why too we probably have a huge well, base of women that are are big you know maps users is because they of all people are like holy shit when they use it it's a, it's mind-blowing for them well here's the thing like so if we take a step back first of all it's correct uh, i'm going to correct this this question here 
everybody responds well to, or most people respond really well to frequency um, of training when it comes to resistance training. Most people, men and women. Now, the reason why women respond better, and, and studies will show that they do, and what that means is men have a certain response, women just have a larger response. The reason for that is because men have, uh, as Adam was talking about, we have naturally much higher levels of testosterone, which in and of itself is an anabolic signal to build muscle. Mm. It's the same reason why um, you know bodybuilders and people on anabolic steroids, they can do okay on a regular body part split where they hit you know, each body part just once a week because they always have this anabolic signal to build muscle. Meanwhile, if you're natural, that anabolic signal, which by the way, this has been proven in several studies, that build muscle signal stays elevated for, you know, anywhere between 24 to 72 hours. After that, it starts to drop considerably, even if you're still recovering. So you can still be sore. Your chest or your back can still be sore from your workout, but that anabolic build muscle signal starts to dampen because recovery and adaptation can be, can be two different things. They're not completely, it's not one thing. So just because I'm recovering doesn't mean I'm still building. If, I'm, if I have high levels of t- testosterone, mm. I have an additional anabolic signal. So men have more testosterone. Men. That's an important point because, yes. with, especially with women, like uh, you, if you're thinking about recovery, just, you know, it, it's not that they, they're not recovering because you can have. Yeah, workouts where you're you're more aerobic or you're, you know you're more endurance based or you know, um, but the the ability for them to recover is you know like your, your men men are gonna just gonna bounce back because they're gonna overcome that ability more, better with testosterone. Well, see, I gotta I gotta disagree with you because uh, some studies actually suggest that women may in many cases uh, recover faster. Than when it comes from a muscle damage point of view, uh, from exercise, oh, I see. women. So, so there so they, are. They may recover faster, but men adapt quicker. The the muscle building adaptation <clears throat> signal explains, is louder in men. Yeah. Now, I, now I there are a couple studies, and it suggests it's not like this. You know, it's they not, do have kids. It's they, not proven. They do have a children, and then recover. They from have that, stronger which, immune systems yeah. than uh-huh. men do. Uh, you know, in many cases, they have stronger immune system than we do. Um, but uh, that there's suggest that that's just suggested from some studies, but. I think it's. I can say comfortably, men and women probably recover from relative, you know, intensities when it comes to you know exercise about the same. It's not the recovery that's the issue; it's that adaptation build muscle signal. And hmm. because men have higher levels of testosterone, when we lift weights, our adaptation signal is going to stay. It's going to get louder, and it's going to stay louder for longer periods of time than women. So we can get away with less frequency better than women can but we all respond better to frequency it's just that women see the biggest fucking boom like when i have men switch to maps training they see huge gains when i have women switch to maps training my god the gains are are ridiculous in proportion you know what i'm saying like i see women we see women on the forum all the time that are like my squat went from 100 pounds to 175 pounds that's even if a guy think about it this way if a guy squat goes from 300 to 375, he went up 75 pounds, just like the woman's did. But in proportion, 100 to 175 pounds, that's almost a 100% increase. And that would be like the guy's squat going from 300 to freaking 500 something. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. We see that with women all the time with more frequency of training. It's just because they their anabolic signal is much more of it's dependent on the workout than it is on on hormonal signal. That's all. So yeah, because they naturally don't have. That's why I gave the analogy exactly. of, the, of the fifty milligrams. Obviously, they were total arbitrary numbers, but I mean the the idea, the concept, right, to get that across that you know just working out in general 
is that signal and that that uh, that increase of testosterone that is such a dramatic percentage. Like if you go by a percentage oh, yeah. for a female in comparison to a male, that that's the reason why women feel that so much in comparison to guys. They're they're probably affecting them pretty close to equal, but it's such a dramatic difference for a female who doesn't have that much production running through her. So that's the main, which is also why too. You know, I mean, you could women could synthetically take testosterone and get just as big as men, as depending on how much they produce and or they push in their body. Well, I mean, you're literally look. You give a woman testosterone, you're telling her body to become male. I mean, that's just that's just a fact. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if if you're a woman and you go to the doctor and you you know you want a sex change, that's what they do. They give you yeah. They give you testosterone. Um, Men's bodies are hardwired to adapt in certain ways, and it's a little bit different than women. And our bodies are hardwired. To uh, build to build muscle uh, with our adaptation, we're little. We're so just introducing like estrogen wouldn't necessarily have the same effect like in in reverse of that then with men. A little bit of estrogen so hard hardwired. Yeah, I mean we're gonna you give estrogen to a man and you're telling a man's body to become female. You know we'll grow, uh, you know bitch tit. You know what they call right. bitch tits or gynecomastia. Um, it's just you know we're just our bodies are a little bit different. But what you want to think about when you lift weights or work out. Don't ever forget this one thing because this will influence how you work out so much. It will influence your intensity. It will influence your workout programming, your approach. Think of your workout as, as all you're doing is you're going in there and you're setting, you're sending a signal to your body to adapt. That's it. So if you're going, when you're going to work out, I'm sending this muscle building signal. I have to balance out how frequently I can send it with the amount of damage I'm creating with, you know, my sleep and nutrition. And your goal is to just really fine tune everything out. And frequency is just one of those things. And you can get crazy with frequency if you manipulate intensity. So, you know, if you're a man or a woman and you want to, you know, really build your butt, uh, you know, two or th- two or three rel- pretty hard workouts during the week is excellent. But on those days in between, you can do drop the intensity dramatically and continue sending that signal. And that's where the you know the the trigger session concept, for example, came from, and even the focus session uh, concept. So, uh, frequency, one of those things, man. You manipulate those. If you're a woman, you'll see some 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 really big gains from from working with that. Flexed Wardle, how would you guys improve fitness education in academia? Hmm. Yeah, hmm. We're, we're trying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, right? I mean, I think that's more apprenticeships. Right? Yeah, dude. Right. Way more hands on hands on stuff. I think way more hands on would 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 make a big difference because I can't tell you. I swear to God, man, I have I just managed- feel like it's a lot of theory, you know, like even going through the process of it. It all makes sense on paper. And it like, I don't know, you, you start to look at it from a real clinical setting, which then when you get into actually training people, there's just so many more variables well, that there's are, the, you know, environmental. So much. There's, to there's, consider. there's one in consideration. There's one that you have to take in consideration that I think is almost trumps it. And there's, that's the mental side of what we do. Like, right. I mean, so much of, uh, my experiences of taking like all the science and information that has been given to us and then trying to apply to a, a client is realizing that, holy shit, like just because, uh, you know, all my books tell me that I have to do this or this would be the most ideal for these clients. Like that doesn't take into consideration like all the other things that I have to deal with, with that person, like the the hormonal issues, the stress levels, the consistency, the motivation, the the, the just their mentality altogether. And that that's the part of training or, or getting people to their goals that it, it it's a whole nother element that, you know, science doesn't talk that much about. 
And so I think that's the most challenging part. So I think like you're saying with the hands-on is, is, is got to be a must is, is learning that. And I think just the only problem I have with, with academia is when they speak in certainties a lot where it's like this plus this plus this, like it's a mathematical equation. And with, with human beings, it's just not that way. There's always huge individual variances and there's so many other factors like we're talking about well like metrics too like they're great to have like i love those as tools but it's just not something you can always rely on like there there are just like so many other influencers that affect all those numbers and and you can't just put somebody into a formula and expect to get that type of equation to, to equal what you what you expect no i mean i personally have uh you know i've had lots of trainers work for me um and i and many of them had much much higher educations than me some of them came in extremely educated you know master's degrees in you know exercise science or sports medicine or whatever but had never trained a, a single person never worked with anybody mm-hmm. and and many times and I'm, I, I mean i want i would like your guys' opinion on this many times they were the hardest trainers to get to become good trainers, absolutely, they get yeah. in their own way. Oh, for sure, absolutely, absolutely. That's I would rather have somebody if I'm if I'm training somebody up. I would rather have a blank slate, man. I'd rather have somebody who's like coming to you to learn, and that's. And I know that sounds like um, I don't know what the word is I'm looking for, but I I don't want that because I can control them or I can influence them. But it's just because somebody who has been who's gone through all academia. And, uh, and I was just talking to Danny, our, our, our buddy that we had on the show. He's going through his, I think he's in his, is he going through his master's right now? I don't know if he's going through his master's or he's getting his bachelor's right now in Kines. But he like sends me messages like, oh my God, you would die if you heard what my you know professor is teaching and stuff like that. Because he's, he's continued his education outside of his formal education too. So, and I think that's so important is, you know, really, really easy. All it takes is like for you to get influenced by one professor, one doctor, one guru. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, because he, he enlightens you in a way that you've never been enlightened before. All of a sudden you fall into this dogma of this is the way, which is uh, it to me. Well, it's dogma because it's, it's all the, that information that they decided was the most credible at the time. But now to come back and influence with new study, new trains of thought, that takes a long time in academia. And, you know, that's something you always have to consider that, like, they're not going to quickly jump on the bandwagon of a new science that's, that exists, see, that, I, you know, is sound. See, academia, I think, does an excellent job with information. Amazing job with disseminating new information, uh, how the body works and, you know, uh, you know, this is what we do in this situation. This is what we do in that situation. They do a great job doing that. The problem is the application of all that information. So now you've got this great information at your disposal. You've learned all these great things, but you've never worked with anybody. Yeah. You've never been out in the field, uh, you know, with clients. Um, and here's a big thing. And I think this is what you were kind of tra- touching on, Adam, was uh, they don't <clears> – <throat> You can have all the greatest information in the world. You could tell people to do all these great things for their diet and exercise and exercise. You know, these are your movements you need to do to correct, you know, your shoulder problem. This is what you need to do to work out. This is what you need to do with diet. But there's just a poor adherence program, uh, problem. Like yes. you, you could tell them all these great things. That doesn't mean they're going to fucking do it. A trainer is really good at what they do because they've worked with people and we understand how to get people to do these things. Uh, in fact, this is why modern medicine, this is why Western doctors don't recommend diets to people because they'll recommend them and the person will come back and the person didn't fucking do it. Yeah. They just don't do it. It's poor adherence. So I know as a trainer, after working with thousands of people, that if I want this person to eat better 
it's a step-by-step process. And step one is drink more water. And then step two is, okay, let's start reducing some of this. Or step, whereas someone's going to come in with all this information, all this education, they may just say, okay, cut all this out. This is how you're going to eat. This is what you, and the person's not going to fucking do it. Yeah. And you're going to get nowhere with that. That's true. And so I think uh, I, the way I would improve academia is make that, uh, rem- eliminate some of their in-class setting, you know, uh, uh, training where you're, you're sitting down and memorizing shit. Mm-hmm. Eliminate some of that shit and spend a year in the field. Like go spend a year following trainers or working with trainers, working with physical therapists. And have like, like really good notes and like, you know, just, just take the, the whole process yeah. in as a class. Learn how to work with people. Like, yeah. Like, well, just, you can refer to it and see where you add issues and, you know, things that you need to, to highlight and improve. And that could be its own little curriculum. Well, just imagine if you could ask like a trainer, you know, if that was, like you said, a year of your education of getting your degree was you know, following around like these trainers that are, you know, five, 10 year veterans, right. That have a hundred plus clients they've had or are currently training. Right. And you could ask some questions like, what do you, what's the most common reason why your client fails? What's the most common reason why, uh, your client gets to its goal or what's how, what percentage of your people actually follow your program or stick to it? Like these are all very, very important questions to ask when, when ultimately we're all searching for this answer to how do we better everybody? How do we get uh, the healthiest we can and the fittest we can and look the way we want to look like, how do we accomplish this with people and what are the real issues that trainers or people have with delivering this message? And I think of a lot of this and I've given the analogy before with basketball, I'll give it with like a learning a language. I feel like academia sometimes could be like this. Okay. You walk in to learn Spanish and the instructor is just like speaking Spanish at fucking full speed, you know, just rattling off. And like, you're over here, like taking, taking notes like crazy, trying to pick up everything they're saying. And it's like, after, after a year of listening to this professor speak Spanish really fast, you being a smart student has picked this up and you're like, okay, I get it. Like I can, I can understand this, the language. And then you go and then you try and teach it the same way that you were taught it by rattling off all this information and sounding really smart. Well, Unfortunately, that's not the best way for for clients to receive this. Like, yeah. and I think as trainers, you learn to disseminate what what are the big what are the big rocks. You know, what are the big rocks that really yeah, you really have to get into your clients' head. And the, and, like you're and, saying, it's it, yep. it, it amounts to that. It amounts to you being able to connect to somebody on a level that you, you can take all that good information and, and stuff that you learned uh, in your textbooks, but you can apply it. You can apply it. You can digest it. You can filter it, and you can present it in a way that's easy for that person to understand. Otherwise, if they can't understand it and they can't apply it, like what's and, the point? And I'll give you an example of this. Like let's take like hit cardio, for example, there's tons of great science and great information out there that show great that, example. that hit cardio is an excellent way for you to burn fat, that it, it also helps sustain muscle. It actually can build muscle. Um, it is the most efficient way for us to do cardio. So because that science is out there and it's true science and we have studies to show that, that doesn't necessarily mean that I just give my client this regimen that says do hit cardio all the time. There's so much more I need to teach that person before they just apply something. And no one to apply it. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, even though the science is there to support how good hit cardio can be, that person is not ready for that that bit of information yet. They're not ready to just apply that into their their daily routine. There's so much more they need to learn. So, to me, there's tons of that in science. That was just one example, but I think we could we could sit here and we could list off those types. Here, of- here's something else I noticed yeah. too. Uh, when when people would come in and want to be trainers, and they had all like tons and tons of formal education, and like, okay, I want to be a personal trainer, 
and had watched them teach their clients basic exercise form, a lot of them were horrible. Mm. Oh, yeah. Very, very bad with exercise form because they didn't practice it. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? They yeah. didn't apply it. Whereas if I had a trainer who just had a regular cert but has been a trainer for two years and I see them teach a squat and they can pick up the intricacies of the squat and sit back here and oh, it looks like you need to brace your core more. And yeah. I've had a lot, I've had physical therapists work for me who have understand correctional exercise and human movement better than, you know, 99% of the trainers out there. But then they would go do a squat or an overhead press. I'm like, that's not a good squat or overhead press. Like you, you don't understand yeah. exercise and how to apply exercise. That's the other thing. Like I've seen that too. That's that trips me out. It's weird, right? Yeah, because they know so much on on like a molecular level, but yet when they go to actually produce movement, it's like a totally different. Actually, it's language. true. It's on a micro level. They don't get it on the macro level. Like, yeah. like how do I teach this person how to do a proper chest press with dumbbells? What's a cable fly? What's a, they, a lot of them don't even understand all of the traditional strength training exercises. I don't see that in academia. I don't see yeah. them. That should be a segment, sure. actually. That should yeah. definitely be a fucking segment. Definitely. Like, here I am. I'm learning sports medicine. You're, this entire semester or this entire year, we're learning uh, strength training exercises, right. perfect form, how to feel them, you know, how to correct form, like that kind of what shit. What to look for, yeah. Yes. Range of motion, yeah, they don't, they, they don't necessarily oh, not do that. At all. Well, let's be honest too, like, you know, you'll, you know, I'll never forget like the first time I heard like a, you know, one of my, you know, masters, you know, trainers that just got us done with his master's program. Then he's like hitting the, hitting the ground running with his clients and listening to him communicate. And it's like, walking over to do a chest fly. So we're going to do abduction of the humerus in the horizontal plane, and that's going to be flexion of your pectoris major. Your antagonist muscles are your rhomboids. You know, and they start going in, and I'm going like... But what do I do with my body? Yeah, exactly. And the client's looking <laughs> at him like, like awkward, what like, the fuck? Uh, and then you watch him do the form, and their form's awful, and he's just like repeating the, the yeah. fucking well, mechanics, and I'm going like, like listen, dude, tell your very person, simple. pull your fucking shoulders back, bro. Yeah. If you got to walk over there, and you got to squeeze them and do it, or whatever, but like that, that like they have this disconnect where you know they've been they've been flooded with all this information that they don't realize that they can't just turn around and regurgitate all this information that they've been downloading for the last eight years in school to this person and think that they're going to be able to understand what the fuck you're saying or be able to connect those dots of what you're trying to explain like and then it'll get really frustrating for them too so you know they're not going to be effective at their job when they're frustrated with the Piece there in between, they can't even communicate to get across to the, to their client. I mean, I so, all the time. I'm gonna I'm gonna take one step further. You you said you you would challenge them by doing one year of like in field work, oh, just I, practical application. How about another year? I'll put you on another year of fucking communication because you want to yeah. know something. When you're trying to talk to somebody about something as emotional as their weight that they have been carrying around for the last five years, and you rub them the wrong way. You know how fast a wall goes up and anything that you fucking say after that is just getting deflected or they're not going to absorb any of that. So how about that? How about just learning how to communicate to the to a person who you know you're discussing something that they have emotional issues and stuff going on that's extremely deep rooted. Very true. How can you just you could have all the answers. And this is what I find wrong with even some doctors. You can be ex- extremely brilliant. Yeah. But you can't communicate that to this person across from you. All you do is end up rubbing them the wrong way or detouring them. You're just not connecting. You're just not connecting. You're dealing with an emotional issue with clinical logic, logical uh, presentation. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when I'm sitting here in a clinical, logical situation where I'm like, okay, well, (laughs) we need to reduce your calories. Yeah, it doesn't work. Like, it's an emotional situation you're dealing with 90% of the time when you have a, a person who wants to hire you. 100%. Our strength, Shelton. How important is the negative on a Romanian deadlift? I see people drop the weight. 
So this is a good question. So here's what you want to uh, understand about the negative portion of a repetition and the positive. You know, one is the yeah, eccentric, eccentric and one is the concentric uh, contraction. So uh, putting a weight down is the negative and lifting the weight up is the positive. Mm-hmm. When you look at muscle fibers and the prevailing theory is to how muscle fibers contract and, 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 and shrink a muscle, you know, shorten it or lengthen it. It's the sliding filament theory is what they talk what they what they call it. But imagine it's almost like Velcro. Imagine muscle fibers running alongside each other and hooking each other at their contact points. And when you squeeze, those hooks are the anchors that shrink the muscle. As you lower a weight, you have to unhook and hook those muscles, and many of those uh, excuse me unhook and hook some of those hooks, and many of those end up tearing off in the negative portion of the rep, which is why the negative portion of the rep creates more muscle damage mm-hmm. than the positive. It also, however, uh, is uh, responsible for a lot of the muscle growth that you get with muscles. But it is a delicate balance. Like it will give you more damage and more muscle growth. But if you go nuts with negatives, you'll overtrain in a hurry. Well, I think it's a uh, what a, yeah. a, a three to one or a four to one ratio on how much we can actually uh, load on the eccentric versus concentric. You too. can lower a lot more weight than you can lift. Yeah, yeah. and that's it is a contraction. It's still considered a muscle contraction. This is also just, I mean, just to pause you right there, a side note, I always like to give people like, because we're talking, we're uh, diving into this. This is also why you see most protocols give a, you know, eccentric or a negative uh, count of like four, six, six seconds in comparison to the concentric movement, which is normally, you know, one to three tops. So, Mm -hmm. you know, when you see protocols like that, that's the purpose because we know that more damage is done that way. So therefore more time under tension, uh, then we can then turn around and get more muscle. So that is the, that's the science behind why you see that. You'll get a lot, you'll get more muscle hypertrophy or growth if you incorporate the negatives. Mm -hmm. If you just incorporate positives, uh, like Olympic lifters, doing a lot of lifts right there's some benefit yeah, to some that as well power yeah well not just power but uh because you don't get as much muscle damage you can really ramp up the frequency oh, like and intensity uh-huh. like i could sit there and do cleans and drop the weight uh a lot longer than if i tried to lower the weight slowly right that's true we'll just drop the weight especially when you're you're ex- using all of your maximal energy and yep. force for that first part you want to mm-hmm. you want to be able to, to to sustain that now so. it's it's one of my theories as to why olympic lifters don't typically build as much big muscle as like power lifters uh-huh. i mean they're both strength athletes Power lifters, dense. Well, power lifters do lots of negatives, right? Lots of slow d- negatives with their lifts. Mm. Whereas, uh, you know, Olympic lifters, really the squats, is, they do a lot of squat training. Uh-huh. So they get the negatives there. Even their negatives in squats, so they, they go down pretty quick if you don't notice. Uh, Olympic lifter will kind of go down quickly yeah. in reverse. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But they still, if you look at Olympic lifters, typically most of their muscles in their legs, like these big ass <laughs> massive legs, they can generate tremendous amount of strength and power. At low body weights, and I think it's because they don't do that's interesting. the negatives, and that's I maybe why they're not as big. I haven't really like, yeah, thought about that too much, but now it makes sense. You know, a lot of the the differences between power lifters and Olympic lifters, and you totally see body characteristics yeah. like that that are you know totally different. I think that's a, a great point, and I think really for people to understand, like for the average person who's just trying to build muscle, look better, feel better the health journey, uh, both of them belong in your programming, which is why we have like a, you know, strength and a power phase in a MAPS program. And then you work more to a hypertrophy phase. So, you know, if I'm training a deadlift and I've like, and I, this is, this is close to home right now for me, cause I'm, I'm actually training a real, a much slower negative on my deadlifts right now. So I'm, you know, getting eight to 10 reps and it's a lot more slow and controlled. I'm not going much heavier than about three fifteen. 
uh, and I'm focusing on the eccentric. And the main purpose for that is just because I haven't been. I had been focusing so much more on the power where I'm lifting one to five reps and I'm just ripping off the floor and then I'm allowing the weight to pretty much drop, drop back down. And, and I'll do it. Now so, are you noticing you're getting more sore now that you're slowing Oh, yeah, down? absolutely. Yeah. I'm getting more, more damage. I'm getting more sore on 315 pounds that I'm eccentrically dropping for four seconds yeah. than what I was when I was ripping 550 for singles up. So mm-hmm. yeah, there's definitely a difference in soreness, which, you know, here's the deal when you're trying, we're, we're searching for muscle adaptation. Both of them are important pieces to overall building, sculpting, uh, a strong fit body for me. So both you should incorporate. Now, if you're strictly a power or Olympic lifter, then I would tell you something different. But, you know, otherwise, if you're just the average person who's trying to build the most muscle you can, look good, feel good, be in control of your body, then both of them belong in your programming. Neither one of them should be neglected. Mm-hmm. I think that's the main the main takeaway with the Romanian deadlift. So, and when you see people just dropping the weight, when it, typically they're going for PRs. So if I'm like, if I'm chasing after a number, oh my god, if you max out, like imagine trying to lower your max out, yeah, deadlift real control, it's oh, yeah. bad news. And that's why the, that's why it just depends on what your 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 goal at the time is. So if I'm like trying to, if I'm increasing my weights, which I will be doing this in the next few weeks. Right now, I've been focusing on all the eccentric. Soon, I'll transition over into lifting again, singles, doubles, and triples, and I'm just going to drop the weight because that'll be a new phase of my programming. I'm not. I'm not really worried about the eccentric as much. I'm trying to increase power and explosiveness. And I'm just, and you know, when you lower that weight with that high of weight, you got to think the risk increases. And if that's not the focus of my adaptation, then that's okay. That's, I'm going, I'm just focusing on my power when I transition back into eccentric. And that's something else to consider too is that some exercises lend themselves very well to not having a slow negative. Yeah. And some exercises don't lend themselves so well. Oh, and a, like, squ- a squat and a deadlift is like a perfect you're, example. You're not going to do it. Yeah. A, yeah, don't do a curl without a, without a slow negative. Like, it would be stupid. Like, if I just throw the weight up and let it drop, you know, I do a curl. Uh, a pow- you know, a, a, a hang clean. Obviously, I'm not going to have a negative on a hang clean. You want to you want to be in a situation where you can drop the weight. That actually will make the exercise dangerous. Oh, yeah, that'd be horrible. Yeah. You know, uh, deadlifts you could go either way. Um, squats, you know, I don't like to see people dropping the hole real fast with a squat. I even cringe when I see Olympic lifters do it. Of course, those are high level Olympic lifters. But if I ever see someone oh, in the gym just, just dropping scream, the my hole, my knees just scream yeah. thinking I, about that. Yeah, I just think of the, the the compressive pressure on the on the on the knee and how it separates yeah. the. You well, know, that's the knee joint. you when you you have to get to a point where you train like that. Like for a long time, I didn't train like that. I can drop into the hole now and explode out of it. But you got to train to get there. You don't ever want to see somebody who's like a beginner client performing that's I mean, any i don't know of, man i don't think you drop down like a Olymp- have you ever seen olympic lifters just squat? yeah well i mean it's like they almost looks like they bounce i think yeah. i'm i think i'm in the, a little bit in the middle when i'm going for a heavyweight yeah. you know and yeah. that's only when i'm going like i said for a pr when i'm going for a pr it's mm. it's all explosiveness all connected i'm trying to squeeze fire everything at one time it's i'm looking for a single i'm not trying to get five reps when i'm training in the five to ten rep range it's very controlled the negative is extremely slow i'm working on mechanics working on depth working on control would you guys say it's pretty safe to say that for the average just average person they should always have a controlled negative pretty much i don't I, i don't see i don't ever see for the average person them applying 
uh, you know, a quick negative or no negative, unless they're doing Olympic lifts, which again, the average person is not going to do an Olympic lift. I agree. This is yeah. my. This is one of the. Well, the it helps train the movement better. Yes, you yeah. work the mechanics. Yeah, just that whole gives you better time under control. tension. Yeah, of even just being connected to that that movement in every part of the incremental process of it. Like you just you're teaching the body on top of building muscle. Inhibition. You also want to think of it on in a, from a functional standpoint, right? <laughs> yeah, that's like what I mean, in the real world, you don't just lift things; you put them down. And people hurt themselves yeah. both ways. I people most hurt them- times you hurt yourself. It's something like super, like uh, quick and reactive. There's that, but there's also like what happened? How'd you? I put the box down and I turned wrong. Yeah, you know, they yeah, didn't yeah. even pick it up. Well, that too, yeah. They just put it down and turned wrong. You know what I'm saying? So both are important for the functionality. As and well. rarely ever are you going to carry something that is at your like 99% max low too. So when you think about it, like. It's you know if I if my max deadlift is you five, shouldn't be carrying yeah you know like I'm, I'm gonna be you're saving a family I wouldn't I wouldn't go board. I wouldn't go carry a refrigerator that weighs 550 pounds just because I could deadlift 550 pounds I'd be like okay this is probably one of those things where I get a friend to help me <laughs> yeah, out with yeah. this you know you so, need a forklift or something yeah, yeah you know you just don't do certain things like that so I think for the most part. Uh, almost everybody should be training and focusing on the eccentric unless you're really trying to get into competing or you really want to look at your PRs. And even then, I still think that that should be a later later process in your whole journey is like there's no real reason for you to drop to singles and doubles or triples unless you feel like you're really it's just like we give the sport analogy like there's no reason for you to be trying a 360 dunk if you still can barely dribble the ball and pass the ball like it just can you do it in the game can is it fucking cool absolutely all those things 360 dunk yeah those those things are all awesome but there's if you're not at the point if you can't if your ball control if you cannot handle the ball with your eyes closed and dribble between your legs and do all these other steps to getting to the point where you're at an elite level of a player like that. The same thing I feel like is with lifting that kind of weight and doing it in in a manner that you're almost, it's like your control. It's almost like controlled chaos when you're explosively lifting like that and just letting the weight come back down. Like you have to have some incredible proprioception to do that without hurting yourself. You're asking for trouble. Yep. If you like mind pump, look, leave us. Because you do. Damn. A little bit, little uh, Backstreet Boys there. Uh, All right. Leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. If we like your review and we pick it, you might actually win a free Mind Pump t-shirt worn by Adam oh, previously. Totally happened. So it smells all musky. He shaved uh, and everything. You can also check us out on Instagram at Mind Pump Radio. You can find me at Mind Pump Sal. You can find Justin at Mind Pump Justin. Adam on Mind Pump Adam. And don't forget, Doug has an Instagram page too at Mind Pump Doug. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump.